Hello guys, Jack here from Jack Makes Happy Hour podcast. And yes, the rumours are true. We're heading back out on tour in May 2024. 68% of the tickets are already sold out, but there are still a few left at Edinburgh, Newcastle, Manchester, Birmingham, Leeds, Cardiff, Sheffield, Nottingham, Bristol, Bury, and our home city of Norwich. So don't waste any time. Grab your tickets today and come and watch me, Alfie and Robbie live. And me. Mainly me, Alfie and Robbie, though, isn't it? Yeah. Happyhourlive.co.uk. See you in May. How can you prefer Brannigan's roast beef and mustard over Monster Munch pickled onion? I just walked out of that arena and I always say, like, I looked up, some bloke from one of the high seats just went, Hearn, you're a shit promoter. And I was like, oh, no. You know. <laughs> and then for that night... And that man turned out to be Barry like, Hearn. Yeah. <laughs> Growing up with a successful father... It's difficult because how do you make a name for yourself? Hmm. Because growing up, I was just Barry's boy. The darts viewing figures are off the charts. It's probably right? since Much, I got banned yeah, about a year ago. Involved, yeah. Yeah. But compared to boxing, <laughs> yeah. on another level, I'm talking three times bigger oh, fuck than darts boxing. Is. Yes. Tyson Fury, mm. he's had a few things to say about you over the mm. years. Do you remember when you came on my podcast in 2017 mm. and I showed you the press conference for KSI yeah. Joe Weller and Eddie asked which one KSI was? <laughs> yeah. And you did say it'd probably be shit. Yeah. And I said at that point, I said, I can see the dollar signs in your yeah. eyes. And the dollar signs were there, weren't they? And I said to my old man, how much do you think to get in the ring with Jake Paul? Because it would do massive numbers. It would, I mean, yeah. You're a meme icon, mm. but you're also a very professional boxing promoter. Yeah. Can those two merge? There are still half of the population think I created no context heaven, right? <laughs> and I'll be honest, it's exactly the kind of thing I'd do, right? <laughs> I think it would be really smart of me to have created that. What a load of bollocks. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Happy Hour. Hello, guys, and welcome back to Jack Mates Happy Hour podcast. I'm sat with Stevie again. Coca-Cola tea. Is that a brand deal? Because if it is, I should be getting a percentage of that. No. It's not? <laughs> no, um, it's just a Coca-Cola t-shirt. I quite like it. You're banging to your Coke, aren't you? <laughs> Coca-Cola. What did you... Why does that get a laugh at you every time? Because I know what you're like. How are you? Right now, we've got a guest. The guest that I'm... <laughs> I, asked you how, I asked him how he was. And then I see... Let's see too slow. Yeah. He was too slow. <laughs> He just, just didn't paused care. for a second. He didn't yeah. care. He was thinking about how he was. That was the problem. <laughs> I ask him every week, and the truth is I never care. <laughs> never care. Now, we've got the biggest boxing promoter in the world, and meme icons, Mr. Eddie Hearn. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. I'm good. It's nice to see you 
come to your new abode. I was saying as we walked in a few years ago, it's probably like four years, three, yeah. four years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were just starting out. You had you were borrowing a little room at a YouTube facility. Yeah, so that's it. Look at you now. I'm glad you can remember that because <laughs> <laughs> I was very, very nervous. I was with my friend Ty. But to be fair to you, a lot of credit, and I, I've got to take my hat off to you because I was I'm not really anyone now, but I was definitely <laughs> not someone then. And like you said, it was a small little room at the YouTube space. We didn't get any listeners, and you were still kind enough to. Come on, what made you do that? Why? Because they told me we were going to get loads of listeners. So <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just like, I like, you know, as time's come on, I've got my own podcast now with yeah. BBC. And I know how it's like, you're always trying to get guests, aren't you? Like, mm. And it's the worst thing to ask anyone is, do you want to come on my podcast? Yeah. Because how many, how many times did you get invited onto podcasts? So <sighs> we did that. I knew of you back then. You know, I knew you, I knew you had massive potential. Right. You know? Yeah. And Still here you are. Field. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now we've got, an, we've got an opener that we came up with a couple of weeks ago that we ask all of our guests. We have a fictional place called the Happy Hour Hall of Fame, basically the opposite to Room 101. If you could put the best item in the world into this place, what are you picking and why? I've got. Like, I don't want to sound like I'm a sales rep for any ice bath companies, but I've started having ice baths, right? And it has been such a game changer. Like on my podcast, yeah, I had Wim Hof on, right? You know that crazy, Mate. right? Yeah. So, and he is completely mad. But I just, I've always like, as a kid, we had this a sauna, right? In in my old man obviously made a few quid and mm. we were doing all right, right? <laughs> we also had a pool and a couple of helicopters. No, I'm joking about the helicopters. Well, you're wearing white chinos, so they we know you've yeah, done all right. They were planes. Um, so, <laughs> and, but he used to like, everything was so competitive. So we'd get in a shower and there was this like ice dunking bath, right? And we'd all go in there as kids and like he'd say, you've got to do two minutes in there and you know, stuff like that. Anyway, Fast forward, like a lot of the fighters, you use cold water therapy and cryotherapy and stuff like that. Mm. And I just come across this Wim Hof guy and I just started reading it and listening to it and doing the, and Joe Wick started doing it, I know, and stuff like that. And I've just got into it and like I've lost loads of weight doing it. So I don't know whether that's related because I'm trained as well, but it's like metabolism, just general mental well-being, inflammation of muscles they're talking about could be even cure for, you know, bigger stuff beyond. And it's just like, it's a game changer. It's like, and I'm telling everyone out there and people think that I like work for like these companies now that's got like mm. ice therapy. Yeah. I don't. You just got a percentage but in them. I, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't work for them. I own them. But, and, uh, but on a serious note, it's been a game changer. So in my sort of hall of fame, in my mm. dream, wherever I'm going to be, yeah. I will have an ice bath. And See, this is mad because we've only been doing this question with like 12 guests. You're the second person really? to say it. Who was the other one? Was e it example. Yeah, you know the, really? yeah, yeah, the yeah, rapper. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. He, he said this last week and I, because he told me about Wim Hof, because yeah. I, I said, I'm going to I'm gonna be the advocate for lukewarm showers and call myself <laughs> yeah. Wim Hof. And that's <laughs> yeah. a joke that I've used and it never gets he a said laugh. It, no, no, so no, I don't know still struggling. And I went home and I watched that Feel the Freeze show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with Professor Green and all yeah, that are on yeah. it, and that's that's where like Wim, Wim Hof hosts it and whatnot. Yeah. And I can't wrap my head around. Uh, basically, I've gone from that and tried to have a few cold showers. Yeah. I'm not talking ice baths, just a cold shower, yeah. and I can't do it. Well, there's levels to it, right? right? So there's running of a cold bath. Yeah, I don't do the showers, I do the baths, right? So there's running of a cold bath at home. Yeah, right. Which I don't know three degrees, four degrees, whatever it is, mm -hmm. which is cold, don't get me wrong. Yeah. And then there's the proper ice baths. Like, that's extreme stuff. I've sort of done a couple of those, but they're on another level. They're like full, 
genital shriveling like <laughs> level like yeah. burning like you know the cold bath in the morning just gets me alive gets me going if i had a run or something like that mm. but the ice stuff that's next level and that's where he brings all his breathing in which yeah. is quite mental and i actually have stood over the bath before giving it the old <gasps> have you yeah, yeah it's so embarrassing but, yeah. <laughs> but and after you're sort of looking around going no one's filming this other <laughs> but the breathing thing's important because obviously if you get in the freezing water and you can't control your breathing you're you're, you're in trouble, but he's he's mad. Yeah, mad. What's he like? What's he like? He's quite an interesting story. I mean, look, basically, his wife committed suicide. They had like three or four kids. She jumped off. She, her, she yeah. went for work one day and jumped off a building or something and left him. And they had no money. They had, they had nothing. And he just said that he sort of went in there to sort of just try and. He, he's from Norway, I think, and he used to swim in cold water. But he used to, he, he then started immersing himself in his freezing, like basically not caring mm. about life. And he said it just like invigorated him, changed his his mental perception of life, and he just become such a believer in it. And it's it's weird. I mean, look, maybe it's just hyperbole. Maybe it's no, I believe but, it. But from... I I I mean, there's bigger stuff. Conversations like he can't scientifically prove it, but he truly believes as many don't do mm. it could be a cure for other diseases maybe even cancer like and you get it when you go in there talk about inflammation and like i mean it's that's beyond my conversation it just mm. makes me feel really good right like, and it was and, a, yeah. but when you say when you say you're having them are you doing the three four degree bath i'm or? doing a bit of both but like, i've done the cold stuff but that's that is like i find now the cold bath especially mm. in the heat yeah really nice like you get out and you don't you don't feel hot for the day you know like everybody's like laying in bed at the moment going oh yeah with about eight fans on them yeah like it helps with that but the the cold cold stuff is next level i but, really want to do it i really yeah. want to do it i would i would really advise it like i just mm. there's no downside to it right and after a while it actually becomes quite nice like you know at first it's like mm. don't think of anything worse and then after a while once you do a little bit i just do deep breaths before i go in like 12 and then you know, but when you do the other stuff, you have to do the full full bone. Fascinating boom. that it's going to be. I tell you, it's going to be a massive boom market. I'm actually thinking. I was in San Antonio, Texas, the other week at a show, and I just googled it like cold water therapy, and loads of these places came up. And I went to one place, and it was like infrared sauna, which is like another you know fad, if you like. Mm. And it was like a private infrared sauna. Then you go into this cold ice therapy, like the proper one, mm -hmm. and they're they're growing at a rapid rate. So, like, there are... So you I'm have got your think, fingers I'm, in a few... I'm actually thinking about opening some. Really? Genuinely. What yeah. would you call it? Hearns um, burn. <laughs> <laughs> Surely. Burn with Hearns. <laughs> I like it. Would you give it a go? You wouldn't give it a go, I've, I've only had cold showers for the last two weeks now. Are you talking proper... Yeah, yeah Is that because you haven't paid your heat in bed? <laughs> but that's not, like, cold at home. Like, yeah. It is cold, don't get me wrong, but, but like, there's ne like, there is next but, level. Yeah. Even just the shower, I've noticed that I'm nowhere near as tired as I was before. Like, yeah. I feel like it properly wakes but me up for the day. Everyone knows. Like, yeah. when you're feeling tired, you put cold water on your face. Yeah. You have a cold shower. That's not rocket science. It's true, yeah. But just try it. Try it. Yeah. We'll Wim give it a go. On. Yeah. All right. Well, less about that. Yeah, I never thought um, we'd come and do a podcast on Wim Hof. <laughs> <laughs> we did this thing where instead of asking the kind of traditional boring questions about someone, uh, you've already done that because you came on my previous <laughs> yeah. one. Um, we're going to ask you some sort of fairly quick fire questions mm -hmm. that are utterly ridiculous just to get to know the man behind Eddie Hearn. So, Stevie, kick us off with the first question. If you could only eat one food for the rest of your life... What would it be and why? And I do just want to say you get all the kind of nutritional yeah. shit you need from this one food. Right, okay. Um, I'm going to go with... See, it's, it's a toss-up between chicken, 
penne chicken arabiata. Okay. Right, the one in M&S will do. I'll, right. I'll eat that for the rest of my <laughs> yeah. life. That's nice. Oh, I, like, one. I like you know it. you pick it up. Hang on, hang on. I like that you're saying the one in M&S will do. Where that's, oh, if we ever got to M&S, <laughs> we fucking made it. I'm still an Asda. <laughs> well, I thought I'd try and associate with everybody and stay away from Waitrose. Right. You know okay. I mean? So I was like, I was trying to be more street. You know, <laughs> you know lads, uh, we go down the M&S. But you know, like when you pick it up sometimes, you pick it up and you go, oh, that looks like a nice one. And it mm. says, serves three to four. Yeah. You go, we won't tell anyone about that. <laughs> you know. So one of those. But the other one's like a really good pad thai. Okay, you know, I don't know if you yeah. boys like your Thai food. But, yeah, like, you know, I'm, I'm, but I, I think the, the chicken arabiata, like, that's going to give you, it's a hardcore meal. You yeah. Know, give you your nutrients. I rate it. Yeah. I rate it. I'm more of a chicken wing man, to oh, be yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's okay. a place in Norwich. They do maple and bacon wings. They're, they're the unreal. The thing I don't like about the wings is, is the problem is you've got to decide, like, you're going to completely mess your fingers up yeah. right, aren't you with yeah. the sauce and everything and it's just a tough one because you can't start using knives and forks obviously with no. wings nah. because you just can't get to the bones but sometimes they bring you out the little little bowl of water little ice oh, bath yeah? for your fingers yeah, well, I don't so go many. to posh places like you <laughs> <laughs> I'm too busy down M&S <laughs> <laughs> who would play you in a, in a biopic of your life I don't know I mean um, who do I like Like they're good actors like Mark Wahlberg, I think he's a, a great actor. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it'd have to be someone handsome. Right. Just because, well, not yeah, of course, yeah. I'm, I mean, I am, but <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's more like you'd want someone to look good playing you. You wouldn't yeah. want like, some receding <laughs> guy who's a bit yeah. overweight. Like, I'd have no choice. Yeah, but... yeah no, you'd be fucked. <laughs> no, <that> um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And let's be honest, no one's going to do a film about you anyway. So it's such a relevant question. Uh, Unless no, it's one of them weird sort of like Netflix <laughs> yeah. pedo docs. Yeah. Low budget sort of stuff. You're not a pedo, you're right. Cheers, mate. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. I'll I tell you what, though, like a little flex. Like, I interviewed Wahlberg once, right? Bit of a knobhead. Yeah. You're not really? a knobhead. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't think them two really... So I'm going to push you for a different I, I, answer. I, I'll say this, because this is actually really embarrassing, and I'm going to say it, and everyone's going to go, that never happened. <laughs> but I was on a plane the other week, and someone went to me, um, you know, you really look like Ryan, Ryan Reynolds from the side. And I went, yeah. And she went, oh, no, not now. <laughs> but, 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 so, but she did, that is a true story. She didn't yeah. actually say the not now bit, but I was like, yeah. <laughs> so I'll go for him. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. He's way better looking. He's think. much better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go on then. Hit us with another one, Stevie. What's the largest animal you think you could knock out? This is a big debate on air. Oh, that's a great question. I think, like, I'm pretty sure... Most of the cat family would get it. Like, I think... What, like, even the like, tigers? And yes. I think if I hit... Tiger, Eddie. I don't know. Like, clean on the jaw. Yeah. You've got to think, like, what is... We don't know what how robust they are to, to headshots. Yeah. Like... I haven't seen anyone punch a lion in the no, face before. No, mm. but if you've got no choice, I mean, you'd have to be quick. It's got to be yeah. right. You'd have to be really quick. Yeah. You'd have to time it right as well. Like, as he was coming in, jaws open... Whack. Maybe one just sort of almost like an uppercut. Right. I think a tiger. Oh, I think that's so bold. I think the only one I'm going to struggle against is an elephant. A rhino. The only animal. <laughs> <laughs> Everything. Well, and a giraffe because you can reach it. Yeah. But like. Take his I knees out ones, I, I don't. A bear. No, probably not. He thinks he could knock out every animal. He's like, well, no, not a bear. No, a not spark. an elephant. <laughs> not a giraffe for those reasons. Not a rhino. Okay. A whale? <laughs> no, because I just think they're just a bit softer. Aren't they? You need a, you need a 
you know, like a a bony jaw and cranium area. Right, land yeah. the shot on. I think if you talk about a whale yeah. or a shark, it's just going to bounce off it, and you're not going to get a clean shot on it. I said, I think a zebra would be easy. Yeah, yeah, because they're bony. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I'm actually going to think about this on the drive home. <laughs> get on with the next question. Yeah. No, I'm still just trying to think about it. Like it was someone like Ian Holloway told us he could he could beat up a uh, kangaroo, but well, it's like yeah, but they're they're actually quite lively. That if you watch them, that's what they're all about, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. If we asked a group of people who know you to describe you in five words, what words do you think they'd say? <sighs> mm. I don't think I've really got a lot of good qualities in that respect. Like, <laughs> Like I don't, I'm not like the guy you go, oh, he's loving, he's generous, he's kind, he's... You, know. you were generous to me. You came on that fucking shit podcast. Yeah, but you just pulled on the heartstrings. I felt sorry for you. I thought you needed a break, you know. But, that, but that's I, enough. That's yeah, being yeah, nice. Yeah, true. Okay, five. Um, hardworking. Mm. I'd probably get that one. Mm-hmm. Um, that's about it. Uh, I don't know. Like, I'm loyal. Yeah, loyal. I think is a, is a word to use in the right situations to the right people. Probably one or two. Um, <laughs> generous, I think. Yeah. You know, as I've got a little bit older. Well, we're looking for a sponsor. Yeah, I so think. We'll yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not that fucking. Thing. <laughs> Just send Not us a nice Just, I mean, like, <laughs> Stupid wasn't one of the uh, the um, sharp. Sharp. I think. Yeah, sharp. I think I'm pretty sharp. But there, yeah, that's about it. I don't. I don't think. They're, they're a nicer people than me about, put it that way. <laughs> I've got very on, honest. Yeah. Because I've honest. got really honest. As I've got older, yeah. I've got, you You become so much more honest. Yeah. Like, my old man is ruthless. He's 74. He does not care what he says. Like, some, very rarely he'll join me in a boxing meeting and, like, we'll have a fighter mm. and maybe an advisor and some other bloke who's decided to advise him who actually does not know what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, just trying to just pacify everyone and just get this deal done. He's going, I mean, you lot, what the fuck do you know? <laughs> like that, I'm going, oh, okay, dad, let's just say, uh, no, 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 coming in my office, you two, what do you do for a living? You don't know fucking nothing about boxing. See, I I'm respect going, oh. that. Yeah, but, and as you get older, you, you lie less. Right. Because actually, gives you a, a cleaner life. Like, it just, if you're lying, you've always got to protect your conversation or, or yeah. what you've said or what so it's actually it's so much it's it's so much more cleansing right just to com- be completely honest no, but I unfortunately in the world we live in now you're going to upset a lot of people yeah. but he don't really care because he's probably going to be dead in a couple of years anyway so you know <laughs> we, we move I actually watched a video of you and him yesterday yeah. um, where you're just going at each other yeah. I think it was for IFL or something yeah probably yeah, it's like it, a lot of people don't understand their relationship it's a stranger like, he's Baza to me it's obviously yeah. called Barry but I've never really I've never called him dad but we're super close like he's my best friend mm. but it's a like the upbringing was weird like and I, I struggle a bit with my kids sometimes because growing up everything was about winning right it was like we our life was built around sport and all the attributes that I have come through sport that's why, again, probably one for another podcast, why I'm so big on sports for kids. Because I just think it teaches you so much, you know, about right. winning, losing, discipline, manners, respect, teamwork, you know, mm. everything. And and I think young kids, the younger generation, don't play enough sport now. But for me, I've got all my attributes from sport. Like, right. and, and you don't get 
anything. You don't, you, you don't, you only win when you deserve to win. But winning is everything. So, like, for me, it was never come home from a game of football or a game of cricket. And how'd you get on, son? Oh, we lost 4-0. Useless. What's the matter with you? Sort it out for next week. You know, rather mm. than, oh, well, just take you. It's brilliant that you're out there <laughs> taking part. You yeah. know, and I'll say that to my kids. You know, how'd you get, oh, you know, yeah. and it's like, you can't say that to But you, you'd say the... You'd, you'd, I'd be like my old man, like yeah. a little bit more encouraging. Yeah. But it's just like, I feel like there's too much emphasis on, you know, don't put too much pressure on yourself to win. Winning's everything. Like, it doesn't matter what you do. And mm. winning, like, you, you do this. Mm. You need to hit numbers. You mm. know, you need to make it bigger. You need to grow. If you don't, you failed. So it's like, well done, mate, for having a go. But it hasn't worked. It wasn't good enough. And I love that. That's not really acceptable. And we're, co- we're constantly looking at our competitors and, like, want to get more yeah, views. but you have to have a passion for what you do. And, yeah. and, but, you ha- but it still comes down to winning. Yeah. But winning, it's a bit like success, can be deemed and construed in so many different ways. Like, I used to think success was just... How much money can you make? How many arenas can you fill? What car can you drive? Like, how big's your house? And as you get older, you realise success is, like, it's different for everybody. But is that because you've already done those things? You've ticked those things off? No, so then because the parameters I think sometimes change. When, you, when you achieve what you think is success, you can still feel empty. What's success to you now, then? Feeling good. Waking up with a spring in my step. Enjoying talking to people. Having that buzz and that energy. Everybody knows, like, you know, if you wake up and you're in that mood, you know when you're in that great mood where you feel good and you like being around people and you're just buzzing in general? Mm. That's actually become success to me. Now, you're right, maybe because I've got the other stuff, Mm. that's not as important to me anymore. But I feel that a lot of that stuff that you achieve actually is irrelevant or empty if you don't feel that way. And that comes from passion, really, for what you do. Just like you said, you know, we like these, we like the numbers and we're buzzing and, you know, rather than how many people go to work every day, just miserable Mm. and actually not enjoying what they do, probably 99% of the population. But that's okay because they're looking at ways to get through to the weekend, to go to the pub and enjoy themselves and and that's their lifestyle. Not everyone wants that winning mentality. But I just feel like success, as you get older, you realise success is actually how you feel. Yeah, It's fulfilment, but fulfilment can come via so many different things. Could come through spending time with your family. Could come from going to the gym and having ice baths. Mm. Could be trying to run your own podcast, driving numbers, trying to be number one. Could be mm. trying to do a show a week around the world and cracking another market. Or mm. it might just be, I'm happy. You know, I ain't got a lot of money. I don't care. But I tell you what, I am so happy. But I, when I was younger, you, you're a bit naive to that world where you think, how can that person be happy? Yeah. Well, they haven't really got a lot or achieved. But then they've the same matter. goals as you, It doesn't, doesn't they? matter. Yeah, because it's, mm. it, it's individual. It's not success is this. It's what's success for you. And that... And you, as you mature, you start to realise that actually all these people that you thought you might have looked at and gone, yeah, but he ain't successful, is mm. he? Or he's not. He might be. He might be the most successful person you've ever met because he's absolutely loving life, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. Now, I want to talk a bit about, we spoke about it on the first podcast, but like I said, that was years ago and the numbers were low and now we're the second most listened to podcast in the UK. Right. So I want to share your story on here a bit. Now, I, I, I know it, you don't know so much, but your dad, obviously, Barry mm. Hearn, he created Matchroom Promotions. Mm. He, was a, he was a hard sort of working class individual mm. who built it all off his own back. And um, I remember you saying that you've been very open about like when you come up, you was often branded as like the silver spoon yeah, guy. Well, by him. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. But so, that's his... That's his banter line with me. Yeah. And he, he, he was very determined to 
to not just give you everything. Mm. He wanted you to go out and, and find your own way in the world mm. as well. What's this story about? He took you into into a gym and, and made you made you fight. Did you fight him? I can't. Yeah. Remember. So my dad is from Dagenham, which yeah. is sort of East London. You know, he, he grew up on a council estate. His dad was a bus driver. My granddad, his mum, my nan, sort of cleaned the houses of rich people. Right. He was a cleaner, and he sort of grew up with a chip on his shoulder. That you know, he always says to me. I used to watch my mum go out to work to clean these houses. And I used to think to myself, I want one of those houses. You know, I don't want someone I know or love going to clean those houses. I want one of those houses myself. And the one thing he hated more than anything was people with money. And especially like rich kids, like which he was petrified of me becoming. So the good news for me is I'm sort of first generational wealth. And listen, when I was growing up, I mean, we don't have the wealth that we have now. But he was doing well. He was running snooker and, you know, he was spending mm. his money and he was a jack the darts, lad. Yeah. which I fucking love. wasn't back then, but, uh, okay. you know, it was he was running snooker, mm. basically. It was the days of Steve Davis and Alex Higgins and Jimmy White and all this kind of stuff. But he was always petrified of me being that sport kid. At the same time, like any parent, if you're doing well, you want to, you know, you want your kids to grow up and you want to give them stuff. You want to mm. spoil them. But it's how you spoil them, and it's 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 giving them that working class mentality. My mum is from East Ham, right? Like the real old school East End people. So mm. I was lucky enough to be, I guess, what you would call first generational wealth, where it's not like we're not like this posh snooty family that goes on from hundreds of years. And you know, Tarquin was the granddad. He was like my mum and dad are from East London. Yeah, like. So yes. we're Sam fans. No, the Leighton Orient. Oh, Leighton Orient. Yeah, we own Leighton Orient for a while, but like so. He was always, but the way he drummed it into me was, you get given nothing, right? So you got to earn everything. So, listen, like it's not, it's not exactly a sob story, but he would make me clean all his shoes, clean his cars, clean, it. and and it would be if you want a new cricket bat, because I used to play a lot of cricket, you got to do all these things. I'm not just giving you a new cricket bat because mm. you want a new cricket bat. You got to go and earn it, you know. Or, or if you score three fifties, I'll get you your new pair of pads, or like you know what I mean. So mm. it's always like. Competition, 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 built around sport. Because also, I was growing up in a world that was like, my weekends were going to watch Chris Eubank fight Nigel Benn, and I'd bring out the belt. And I was like <laughs> 11. Yeah. And I was so, and when I went back to school, like as a kid, I was, I, I, I don't like the kid I was at school because I was a Flash Harry kid who didn't have any respect for teachers because I was in this world around all these successful people. And I'd look at these teachers and think, well, yeah, I'm not listening to you. I was just, in the gym with Frank Bruno. Your dad described like, you as a posh, mouthy schoolboy. I was. You agree with it? Yeah. I mean, I was never posh. Right. Like, I went to a private school and I was like the hardest kid in the school, which yeah. don't say a lot for the school because I was a complete <laughs> tart. Yeah. Right? But the boxing story was, I grew up around boxing since the age of eight or nine and I boxed as an amateur. I had like two or three fights with Billericay Boxing Club. I was useless, but I, I thought I was unbelievable because of the company that I kept. And he always said to me that when you get to 18... I'll take you into the gym and me and you will spar, we'll fight. And I'll just teach you the difference between a kid from the estate and a posh kid, which is you. He said, but it'll be good for you. But I got to 16 and I was like six foot one and about 13 stone. And he was like, let's bring it forward by a couple of years. <laughs> and we, we, we went to the gym and we put these little gloves on and we sparred three, you know, three, three minute rounds and we absolutely battered each other. UVM? Yeah. But I ended up stopping him with body shots. And it, but he was so proud. Like the next day it was in all the papers because he couldn't stop telling people because as far as he's concerned, I'd passed the test. 
my son, Silver Spoon, as he used to call me, he says, he's all right, he's one of us. We stood and we had a tear up. And I remember the first, the, the buzzer went on the thing and he came out and I sort of covered up and I just see his face like his teeth and he was just pounding into me, you know. And it was, But we tell this story and everyone goes, a bit like you, yeah. going, what's that all about? But yeah. it's just, that's, you know, it's not textbook parenting, but yeah. it was the way that he did it, you know. And, and it was like, he, he was always petrified of, like the, the one thing, and same with my kids as well, it's very difficult for kids and people say, oh, difficult. But like growing up with a successful father, it's difficult because how do you make a name for yourself? Hmm. Because growing up, I was just Barry's boy. Right. Like all these shows, no one knew my name. It's Barry's boy. You know, and I would tell the world that my dad was Barry Hearn because I thought it was a mate. Like, do you know Barry Hearn? That's my dad. Yeah. You know, but he was like, oh, that's Barry's boy. That's Barry's boy. So I went to school with Frank Lampard. He was in the year above me. And he was always... Frank's boy. Yeah. Because his dad plays for West Ham and he was a big name at the time. And we both had a little bit, I think, you know, I did. A, he was on my podcast. Mm. And, and when we talk, it's like that spurred us on because you're not, a lot of people, especially my close friends, would say, I don't understand, like, your engine for what you do is unbelievable. I work like I'm potless, right? Potless. It's like, how do you do that? And I don't, I can never really explain why. Is it the drive and determination to want to beat or better what your yes, dad said? I think it can be the only explanation. What's the other explanation? I mean, the other explanation is I love what I do. I have mm. a passion for what I do. I understand that. But there has to be something underlying. Mm. It's like a sickness. Like, you can't do what I do. It's like, it's impossible. And I go back to like, Connor Ben's a good example. Mm -hmm. Connor Ben is the hardest working kid in the gym. Right? Forget the kid who comes off the estate whose parents are both in rehab and he literally is struggling to put dinner on a table, Connor Ben is outworking him, right? Well, Connor Ben came, grew up in a mansion, right? Connor Ben's family has a load of money, right? So what's the difference? And I think it's the same for Connor Ben. I think his dad is Nigel Ben, one of the biggest legends of British boxing of all mm. time. So it's it's... So you, you always get comments on social media saying it's easy for Eddie Hearn. Like, grew up, he's a, dad's got money. He was always going to work for Matrim. Yeah, I've had a great start in life. But how do you outperform your dad? That's, mm. that's the hardest thing. And that's always been the drive for me is to take the business to levels that maybe he couldn't take it. Comes back to sport. That's, that's my way of winning. It's me v him. Has there been a, has there been a career defining moment for you where you think even old Baz has like looked and gone, yeah, Eddie's yeah, gone one a few. up there. I mean, the first Frotch Groves fight at Wembley, I remember the Frotch Groves one was at Manchester Arena. It was quite controversial. And everyone wanted the rematch because, yeah. you know, Frotch went down, the ref jumped in to stop Groves. And like, and I started going to all these outdoor venues. And I was thinking about Arsenal. I was thinking about, you know, West Ham, Upton Park at the time. And, it, and then I went to Wembley. And I was like, I walked through the tunnel. And I looked around. I was like we got to do it here. And I remember phoning him going, Dad, we're going to do it at Wembley. And he was like, don't fucking do it at Wembley. He went, how many is it old? I went, 90,000. He went, Ed, he went, you won't sell 30. He said, you've just sold 15. He said, like, I've been here before. I'm telling you now. I said, Dad, I'm, I know this. You know, I'm across social media. I just know the demand for this fight. Like, we're doing it here. Well, son, it's over to you, mate. And we sold it out on day one. And day one? Day one. Like within two hours it was sold out. And it was Fucking like... Fucking hell. It was like, that was the really the moment where he said, fuck me. 
uh, it's over to you, you know. And obviously, we followed that with AJ Klitschko at Wembley. The big US TV deal with the zone was was that's something that British promoters just don't do, and he could never do. Yeah. So that was like a bit of a tick on the box for me, and the global growth of of what we're trying to do in boxing, you know, and and that comes through building a great stable, you know, having a great brand within Matrim, building my profile mm. globally. It's a, it's, a, it's a carbon copy, really, of the UFC right. and the WWE, where there's a, a figurehead, you know, whether it's Vince McMahon in the WWE or Dana White in the UFC, and that brand becomes synonymous with high-quality events and drama, mm. and that's what we're doing in boxing, but around the world, and, and that's what he couldn't really do in boxing. So that's, again, like... You know, he listen. He, he's super proud of me, but we're always competitive. He'll say the darts. You know, the darts viewing figures are off the charts. It's probably right? since Much, I got banned yeah, about a year ago. Involved, yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> compared to boxing, yeah. on another level, on another level, I'm talking three times bigger. Oh, fuck than darts is. Yes. You've been serious? Yeah, 100%. I would have right. never guessed it's that. It's the highest rating sport on Sky outside of Premier League football. What? And even for the world champs, Ali Pali the ratings were similar to some Premier League games. No honestly. way. Massive. That's crazy. And he would always say, you know, I'll go, oh, you know, we're doing the O2, sold out the O2. We go, yeah, what's the viewing figures? And I'll be like, I don't know, 300,000. He goes, yeah, we knocked in a mil for the semifinals at the, at the Ali Pali. <laughs> and it's like, you know, so it, it, that's what it's like. We're, we, the other day we did this fishing charity thing yeah. and we were on the same team. And he was like, how many you got over there? You know, it's like, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't like combined, yeah. where are we at? You know, it was like, and I lost one. And he was like, ah, yeah, yeah. I was like, we're in the fucking same team. You know, but that, that's what it's like. And I that, love that, it. That's, that's the difference because we're not geniuses. Mm. But it's just, it's the will to win. I and, fucking and, love know. it so much. One of the first fights you put on, I think, was, was it Audley Harrison yeah. versus David Hay? Mm. Is it, am I being unfair if I say that was a bit of a flop? <laughs> his eyes wide <laughs> it was it was horrendous and what you know we were talking about poker off air yeah I used to produce all the televised poker events around the world and I was playing the world series yeah and I was sitting down with Audley Harrison and I spun him a dream like his career was pretty much over and I yeah. said look we'll bring you back in prize fighter win the European title and then I'll get you David Hay and he was like yeah I was thinking fucking hell I ain't got a clue I wasn't, <laughs> even, I wasn't even promoting boxing at the time <laughs> Next thing, he signed, and I'm like, oh, I can better do something here. So he won prize fight, he won the European title, and then I got him the fight with David Hay. Right. Audley was one of the best self-promoters, marketeers, like, and he was six foot seven. He won the Olympic gold medal, but he just, he didn't have it in him. He wasn't, you know, he, he didn't have the mentality, in my opinion, mm -hmm. to go on and be a great fighter. And we landed the David Hay fight, and I sold the granny out of it. I mean, I was like, this is, I mean, I just went so OTT. If you watch the videos back now, this I'm talking 14 years ago, 13 yeah. years ago. And um, he didn't throw a punch. Like, And he got stopped in the third round. All my mates bought ringside tickets. They were screaming at me. Like the messages coming in, you're a prick, mate. Fucking 500 quid that cost us. You told it was gonna told us it was going to be Ali Liston. It was <laughs> a joke. Yeah. And like, so... I just walked out of that arena and I always say like, I looked up, people were throwing beers at Audley, like, right. oh, not this. I looked up, some bloke from one of the high seats just went, Hearn, as I was going through the tunnel. I was like, he went, you're a shit promoter. And I was like, oh no. You know? <laughs> and then, but that night. And that man turned out to be Barry like, Hearn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that night, I remember walk, I gave David Hay a load of stick in the, the, the uh, build up to that fight. And as we finished the press conference, I think it was like two o'clock in the morning, 
I was walking down the corridors of Manchester Arena, like the, the change rooms backstage, and I looked at the end of the corridor and I saw David Hay, and he was walking towards me. I thought, shit. Like, I've really, I was saying, he's got no chin, he's overrated, blah, blah, blah. And he walked past me and he winked and he went, well done. Like, like as if to say, you knew all along, but you sold it well. And oh. I was like, I was like Oh, yeah, nice one. <laughs> but and then I thought to myself, yeah. So anyway, I, I honestly went back to work that day, saying I'm going back to the poker. Like, what a wild experience! You've just promoted the world heavyweight championship out of nowhere, and the phone didn't stop with fighters. You know, it's like I've seen what you've done with Audley. Like, if you can do that with Audley, like I've got this kid. He's he's a real fire, you know. And we signed Carl Froch, Kel Brook, Darren Barker, like straight off the bat. And then I went to Sky. We had there was four promoters at the time with Sky. Mm. My uh, matchroom. Mm-hmm. We, were, we weren't really inboxing, but we still had like five or six shows a year. Yeah. Frank Warren, Ricky Hatton, and Frank Maloney, now right. Kelly Maloney. And I said to Sky, you have to get rid of everyone and just have one promoter. And they were like, no, we can't do that. I said, well, look, I'm going to show you what I can do, and then you're going to get rid of everyone else. And we started make, doing big shows, filling arenas, and they got rid of everyone else. And we signed the exclusive deal with Sky, and that was fucking. That hell. was just it. Went just went from there, and obviously, Anthony and Joshua turning professional. Everything was just life's about momentum, and it's about you know turning points. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of turning points along the way with hard work and a, a lot of luck as well that got us to that position. What do you think you'd be doing? Because a lot of people look back on that fight and they think it was a flop from, from mm. you, but you've just explained to us how it actually yeah. was, it was a blessing in disguise. Mm. If it was just a flop and, and you couldn't be a promoter, mm. what, do you, what, do you, what would you I, be doing? I think I've always, you know, our life is matron, like as a family. So when I left college, I went and worked for a sports agency, a sponsorship and marketing consultancy. I was representing golfers on the PGA Tour in America. I didn't want to work for my dad. But inevitably, I knew that in time, I would, because it's important to us. Mm. You know, and I, I wanted to work for the family business. So like seven or eight years later, I'm there. I would have just been in sport. You know, if I, if I didn't have Barry Hearn as my old man, what would I have done? Probably been in the city with all my other mates, right. trading and, you know, ducking and diving and, and doing those kind of things. But, you know, for me, boxing is something, I, like I said, I've been around boxing since I was eight. Mm. You know, I've been in every change room of every world champion. I've seen people... You know, win, lose, cry, get t- stretched to hospital. Like I've seen every different asset and facet of the sport, and it, I feel like it's the greatest sport in the world. It's, it's just there's nothing like it. It's the weirdest sport where you walk out to have a fight with another man or female, as we're seeing now, in front of a load of men and women who are there for a good time and having a drink. I mean, it's so barbaric yet so beautiful. It's you weird know? as well because obviously Stevie and I are in the YouTube world mm. and I know you've, you're probably bored to death of speaking <laughs> about it, but you had a little bit of a foray into the world of sort of YouTube boxing, didn't you, recently? Yeah. Do you remember when you came on my podcast in 2017 mm. and I showed you the press conference for KSI yeah. Joe Weller and Eddie asked which one KSI was? <laughs> yeah. And you did say it'd probably be shit. Yeah. And I said at that point, I said, I can see the dollar signs in your yeah. eyes. And the dollar signs were there, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, I remember watching the first KSI-Logan Paul fight. I mean, obviously there was the Joe Weller fight. And then KSI-Logan Paul, I remember people were talking about they've hired out Manchester Arena yeah. and they're doing it on pay-per-view. I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> I was going, Someone, someone's going to do their conkers on this, you know? And then they said, oh, they've sold it out. And I was like, yeah, right. Like, and then I tuned in and I was like what is going on here? I mean, some of the undercard stuff was so bad. Yeah. Like, but no one cared, mm. you know? And I was thinking, wow, in my world, 
if there's a terrible fight on the undercard, I'll get untold abuse from the customer. Mm. But And the pay-per-view numbers were really strong for that as well. And I was just like, anyway, fast forward a couple of years and they want to do it again. And like, I can't remember who reached out to me. I think it was KSI's uh, agent mm. reached out and said, look, we're thinking about doing this again. I see you with the zone in America. We feel like it's a streaming company. It sits so well with the platform. And I just thought to myself, oh, go on then. <laughs> <laughs> As they say. Yeah. You know? And like, I just, it was, I learned so much from that experience. Like, firstly, how bright KSI and Logan Paul are. I mm-hmm. mean, like me and Jake, they don't get on. Like, but I, I'm, not, I'm sure KSI and Logan Paul wouldn't say like I'm their mate. But right. I actually, really respect those guys. I think. I mean, I respect anyone for getting in the ring anyway. But away from the boxing, I respect them because they're incredibly bright, mm. very successful, very hardworking, mm. very passionate about what they do. Where did KSI compare to to the normal boxers that you work with and you promote? Different people. I mean, look, bo- boxers are are one offs. Like, there's nothing. Like, they're just tough, tough, tough people. Like, and obviously KSI and Logan Paul aren't because they're just they're not they don't they're not bred like that. They don't come from that that background or that way of life. Is but it not even close? What in terms of mentality of a, as, a, in, of a, as a fighter? Yeah, in terms of t- toughness, we saw we saw Logan Paul getting the getting the ring look, with Floyd Mayweather, and nah, he, but look, they're game, right? And they they are tough, but yeah. they're not. Listen, like this is like people are prepared to go to any depths in fights, mm. like you know, like to people will often say, "I'm prepared to die in a ring." That's not you know just hyperbole. That's how fighters feel like, and that's a place that I would not even consider I mean if it hurt I want to get out <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah. and, but look KSI proved in that KSI got hurt in that second fight he was out wobbling around or whatever right? he fought on so he's you have to be tough enough to get in there but mm. they're not they're not fighters and when we go back to the honesty bit like they the only problem I have with them is when I give my honest opinion like in the ring after the fight I said look these guys they're not very good they're right. never going to be... Ch- but how good was that? Like, it was a 50-50 fight. They go, and it's like, what do you mean we're not very good? It's like, well, and it's like with Jake Paul. Mm. I'm going to beat Canelo. I'm going to be a world champion. You're, you're not. Like, you're, <laughs> I say, like, you're average. Yeah. He's like, av- but that's, average. But that's a compliment, that's isn't I said. it? I said, like, do you know how many average fighters there are? Yeah. 95% of the boxing community in the world is average because they're not going to go on and win championships. Yeah. Nor are you. I am. He's like, oh my God. Right. <laughs> but people are blowing smoke up him the whole time in training camp. Jake is different. Jake can fight, right? KSI, Logan Paul, they're not terrible, but Jake's on actually another level yeah. to those guys, right? So, because there's a big question I'm sure you've answered before, but a lot of the YouTube audience and a lot of our listeners always debate the the question, Jake Paul versus KSI. It's a yeah. no-brainer, isn't it? I think that's a very... I mean, KSI, won't, whether he hears this or not, mm. it's a very easy fight for Jake Paul at the level he's been boxing at now with what he's been doing in the gym. You know, he's been doing this now for like two years, consistently training, sparring, improving. He's made a lot of improvements. It's mm. a massive fight. But it, the problem is, is like when it comes down to ego and like all that kind of stuff, the reality is it's very unlikely that KSI would win that fight. So in your world, mm-hmm. right, of that YouTube environment, mm. the, how detrimental is it to KSI's brand 
and career to lose to Jake Paul versus the money he would make in that fight. <clears throat> he's probably going to make 10 million quid for that fight. Or, but he's, or a, but he's in a position now where he doesn't need the 10 okay, million quid, isn't he? Do you really want to get beat by Jake Paul? No, because I think he that's, probably will. It's massively detrimental yeah, he, if he loses. Whether, that. He th- whether he thinks he will or not, I'm just telling you, yeah. there's a very, like, there's a 95% chance, 90% chance you will lose to Jake Paul. Right? So do you want to do that? Now, listen, he's a competitor. Right, and he may he may fancy it. He may go, no, fuck the Eddie Earn, what's he know? I'll I'm on it. Good luck to him if he does. But it's not. I don't. There's a world for them away from the boxing. I mean, what he's done. You know, I was reading about the prime stuff today. Yes. Like this is amazing. Like mm. you know, and it, KSI is a genius. He's I really respect him. And mm. but we're just talking about fighting, and it's not. I don't mean to be rude when I'm say about Jake Paul, but I know the sport. Like I know. Yeah. And he might get beat, Jake Paul you know, coming up. So, um, would, would you, would, you wouldn't dip your toes back in that line of work? No. You wouldn't. Jake Paul's not a YouTube fighter anymore, well, you in think my he, opinion. What, you think he's a proper You have fighter. to give him respect as a fighter with this opponent he's got coming up who's not, you know, he's a million miles away from ever being a world champion, but he is a fighter. But, so, as, but I'm going to hit you with the, with the cliche, Jake Paul's not beat a fighter yet. No, he? but he's fighting one, you know, and he's boxed MMA fighters in the ring. Like, and these people, they they... They're in the combat world, right? Boxing is part of an MMA fighter's, you know, mm. arsenal. They're not real fighters, but the one he's fighting is at least a real fighter. Who's he for? Rahman, is it? Hasim Rahman. What, his, is, his dad was the world heavyweight champion. And, and how's, how's, like, how's, how's like Junior? 12, is he decent? 13, 14, and one. He just got knocked out by a guy who's not bad, but like Jake. I mean, it baffles me mm. when I talk to analysts of the sport who go, you know. I, and I go, I go, well, obviously Jake will never win a world title. And I go, well, you know, he's improving and he can really punch. He's like, mate, what are you talking about? Like, this is what I mean. My cousin, right? My yeah. cousin, Sonny, he's a big fan of yours. And, and he lives and breathes boxing. Mm. You probably don't remember a guy called Rocky Dean back in the day. Rings young a yeah. young feather, yeah. featherweight. Um, that's, that's his brother. But he lives right. and breathes boxing. And when I say to him, I go from the YouTube point of view and I go, Jake could do it. And he laughs me out of yeah, the room. Right, he's, yeah. uh, so you, but he's, pr- listen, he's better yeah. than people thought. And he's working hard and he's improving. And what, one thing that Jake has, and people, you could call it delusion mm. or you could call it confidence and belief, he has a load of it. He genuinely believes he is a world-class fighter. And that actually goes quite a long way. <laughs> it does, you know, in a sport like that. Yeah. Like, but when you get chin-checked, yeah. like he might do against his kid, mm. he could get completely sparked out unconscious. He's had a few unsavory things to say about you, hasn't he? Yeah, we got on well. We did, we did the Taylor Serrano. We co-promoted that. What like, event that was, He's a brilliant self-promoter. He's, mm. a, he's a very good promoter. He's had a huge platform. Mm. I think he's clever. I respect him. I think he's quite amusing. I just, it's the honesty thing. Like, and we did an interview and I just said, you won't, and, and he didn't like it. He's like, oh, he just does this and that. He says these things. I said, no, I'm just telling you my opinion. Like, I'm not going to go up there. I'm too long in the tooth, been around too long. I've got too much credibility in boxing mm-hmm. to start saying, yeah, this guy, <laughs> like, and actually just lying. Yeah. Like, I'm just telling you the truth. Would like, you fight him? I thought about it. Like, he, but he would knock me out. Like, I can fight a very, very little bit. Like, I've been around boxing. I've had a couple of fights. Like, I'm very, very bad but he would like he and I said to my old man like how much do you think 
to get in the ring with Jake Paul because it would do massive numbers. It would, I mean, yeah, it would. You imagine like the UK audience, the mm. thought of me getting knocked out. I mean, it would be one of them where we don't care who gets knocked out. We can't stand them both. Oh, but no, someone I disagree. I, th- out, I think you you've got mean? a cult following. Yeah, I think you've yeah, got... Yeah, maybe, since, maybe. It's getting better probably. Well, like, I think, since but, the No Context Herm, Yeah, yeah, we'll maybe. A that's bit. a new follow. The boxing fans don't like me, but the No <laughs> Context fans... Yeah. But, but like... All right, so how much then? I how much to get in 10 the... Mil. 10 it's mil. 10 mil. Yeah, and it's like... And by the way, it would do over a million pay-per-view buys in the UK. Right. But and it, the, the numbers would add up. But yeah. I would have to, like KSI, mm. I would have to probably live with the fact that he's going to spark me out, like, bad. Because I'd have a right go as well. I wouldn't yeah. be, like, defending myself and trying to survive. Yeah. I'd stick it right on him. And I'd get <laughs> I'd get cleaned out. Right? Spectacular. I love the right. honesty. Yeah. <laughs> but really bad. You know, like, I said, boom, all the way in. Just, like, probably face down, like, spectacular. So he's got to be... Mm. Like, my old man went to me, Ed, it'd be so embarrassing... Like, no amount of money. I was like, yeah, but 10 mil. I mean, like, you know, we've got to think about it. So I'll probably stay away from it, to be fair. Now, I want to talk a bit about um, Katie Taylor. Yeah. How how fucking brilliant. Amazing. I mean, women's sport in general. I mean, look, I know this is coming out after the the fact, but yeah. the women's Euros at the moment. Yeah. I mean, the country's going mad for it. And it's mm. like, I've got two daughters and it does make you look completely differently about women's sport in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ian Wright's been brilliant, hasn't he? Like yeah. the way he's talking about, like he's said, this is the proudest I've ever felt of an England team. Mm-hmm. And actually every female in the country, every girl should be given the same opportunity mm-hmm. as a boy to play football. And actually when you start listening to it, like, it's baffling, really, how because I'm I'm a little bit old school, mm-hmm. but I feel that some broadcasters have been pushing women's sport because they feel like it's a box ticked, right? Right. right. And I've always felt that it has to sit on its own merits mm-hmm. and commercial merits yeah. as something that works. I hate let's put some women's sport on mm. because we should be putting women's sport on. Yeah. And that was always the thing with women's boxing for me. Like my dad and other promoters, the old school promoters, they, they, their mentality is women shouldn't box. Right. And I, I don't think he'd mind me saying that because mm-hmm. that's just all 70 year olds and 80 year olds. Yeah. But then he watched Katie Taylor, you know, and he thought to me, he said, she's unbelievable. Like, and I never wanted women's boxing to exist because it would be good for Matram and it would be a good image for us. I wanted it to exist because it was good enough. And that's how you get sustainability and longevity mm. out of a sport. And I feel like actually women's football, when I started watching it, wasn't good enough, um, in all honesty. I yeah. think most people would accept I think that. That's, I think that's fair now enough. Now you yeah. look at it and say, this is good. Like these are talented, like great goals, yeah. like great finishes. Like it, and, and so... That's how something can have sustainability. Katie Taylor come in my office. I've never met anyone. When you talk about energy, like being around, again, as you get older, you start to realise the importance of being around people with great energy. Mm-hmm. Like it's so sapping mm. being around miserable people and it will actually mm. bring you down. When you're around people that inspire you, like Katie Taylor, like Anthony Joshua, like Canelo Alvarez, like I'm lucky to promote these people. It's like... You feel 10 foot tall mm. when you watch them train or you've had a conversation with them, you know? And Katie was one of those people who just came in. And I was like, she's like, I'm going to transform him in his boxing. I've done it in the amateurs. And I was like, 
I've got to get on this. And, she so and I watched she... her fight and I'm like, oh my God, you're better than the men. Like, you are like, <laughs> you're like a Mexican five-time, five-weight world champion. And the fight with Serrano was all the years of hard work to sell out Madison Square Garden, but it was the fight. The fight like, was we incredible. Could, we could have built it up, sold it out, and then you could have yeah. watched it and gone, yeah, but... Yeah. And that's the same with the Euros. Hmm. Like... If it's not actually that good, you can all get behind it and go, yeah, but you know everyone's talking really going, yeah, but... That's bang on. Is it, yeah. you know? Now people are going, do you know what? Yeah. I watch that, they're good, aren't they? Yeah. You know, now they watch Katie Taylor against Serrano and went, she's unbelievable. And that, that's that, that's how you tune in to watch. There'll be, there'll be people like... Uh, even us would have probably, like, watching the Euros, if it was shit, would be coming on there going, how great was that? Oh, yeah, yeah, just because yeah, that's yeah, the thing you, you should know, probably... When the, when the mics go off, <laughs> you go, oh, I ain't watching that. Exactly that. that. That's, that does it, it's irrelevant. I yeah. think it negatively impacts it as well. Yeah. Like, the amount of times I've scrolled through, like, Twitter and seen, like, some football tweet like going oh this goal was incredible and it's a really bad goal yeah, but because yeah. it's female football they're trying yeah, to be course, like yeah. it's amazing I, I look at it go just post a good one and everyone yeah, would get yeah, behind yeah. it it's patronising when people try and give praise when it's yeah, not there it but this Euros help. I feel this Euros also, has been monumental know, as, as football fans mm. we can't we struggle to get to the finals of Euros yeah. 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 And so if if the if the England team go on and win the Euros it's like it's genuinely like even people who like, and this has been the thing with women's boxing. It's, about, it's been about convincing people. Mm-hmm. And that's the same with this. All of a sudden, people that were non-believers in women's football start going, yeah, we won the Euros, haven't we? European champions. <laughs> girls, we love the girls. That's great women's yeah. football. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and, it's, and actually, when, when Ian Wright talks about participation for the younger generation, hmm. why, why shouldn't girls be given the opportunity to play football? 100%. Like, I would never have said that. 10, 15 years ago because mm. I just thought, yeah, they can play football. But as bad as it sounds now, football's for boys. Right. I don't mind saying it mm. because that was the my mentality growing up. That's, that's just what you were kind of, it was mm. bred into you, wasn't it? Yeah. It's only as you realise that that's ridiculous. And well, you realise, you know, you have, cut, you have them, daughters like, and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, you start thinking, well, you know, my, my daughter plays football. Yeah. She loves it. You know, she, and, it, and it's brilliant to see. And seeing these women do that like I'm just like put her in front of the TV and go just watch that yeah you know forget about Instagram or TikTok yeah. see these women out there yeah that's what I want you to understand them and I want you to have the same vision same dream same work ethic as them please because that's the mentality you were kind of talking about at the start of the podcast yeah, as well like I'm, you see and, it and, and that's then... not a case of you know I know your world YouTube I'm not saying that you know being in the YouTube world or but you know I, I look at Instagram I look at TikTok mm. and then I look at like Katie Taylor another example now when my kids are around Katie Taylor I'm just like Katie, please just keep talking to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah. please. Because it's like, that's, for me, you know, it's just, it's not about wanting to be an elite athlete. Mm. It's about all the attributes that Katie Taylor has yeah. that can help them in any form of life mm. or any walk of life outside of sport. 100%. Is it true Katie Taylor used to dress up or shave her hair off or something? So she, she had a the... ponytail. She had to tie her ponytail under the head guard. So she, when she grew up in, in Ireland, women's boxing was banned. You girls weren't allowed to box. So she would go into the gym with her head guard on. And when she used to box in tournaments, she was Kay Taylor. She was a boy. So she would compete only against boys. That's fucking wow. But also the story with Katie Taylor is women's boxing wasn't allowed in the Olympics. She campaigned and she canvassed with the IOC for years to say, please let women's boxing in the Olympics. And eventually they went, look, come over, fight another top girl and the IOC will watch it and we'll let you know what we think. And they had the fight in front of all of the IOC and they went, you're in. Wow. So she got a women's boxing in the Olympics. 
She's just she, like, you know, I mean, she's a, a legend in Ireland, but she should really be a global legend. I mean, she is on the way, but yeah. it's, a, it's an amazing story. There's actually a film called Katie. I think it's on Amazon or Netflix, but what watch it? It's, it's an amazing story. I'll know? check it out. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I've got a few more boxing questions mm. before I want to finish on um, some no context stuff. <laughs> um, I love your honesty, by the way, Eddie. You don't you don't shirk a question, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, Tyson Fury. Mm. He's had a few things to say ab- ab- about you over the mm. years. Um, I interviewed you for the social, a lad Bible thing last summer, I think it was, yeah. or summer before, and there was a story on there that he. He, he he wanted you to sign him. Is, mm. it, is this true? Before he had yeah, his comeback, he was talking to promoters. And the thing is with Tyson is, he's a very good fighter, and I'm a very good promoter, and we know that about each other. Mm-hmm. If you asked him honestly, who's the best promoter in the world, he would say me. And if you asked me right now, who's the best heavyweight in the world, I would say Tyson Fury. Right. Okay. Pains us to say it, yeah, but that's facts. Yeah. <laughs> and I flew him out to Monaco. We had a meeting, and he turned up, and he was huge. This was when he was just coming off the back of you know his his mental problems and stuff like that. He must have been nearly thirty stone. Fuck, he was hell. sweating. And I looked at him, and he was saying, "I'm going to do this." And you know, he was could hardly talk, and he was like, "You know, I'm coming back, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going. I want a couple of easy fights." And blah, and I looked at him, I thought. You ain't, you've got no chance, you know, and we couldn't agree a deal. We wanted, you know, I didn't like the path that he wanted to take, which he ended up actually taking the path that I wanted him to take. And I would have actually spent the money if I knew he would have fought Deontay Wilder after two fights, but (laughs) he wanted like four or five of those easier fights. And what he's done is remarkable. You know, I mean, to come back physically and mentally Mm. from where he was, forget coming back and winning a world heavyweight title. Yeah. Um, and his story as well. His story is, his story is incredibly inspiring. The, you know, he's also a maverick of getting people to believe what he says. Because mm. I talk bollocks. <laughs> he's, he's right up there, right? Like, like, and, but amazingly, the public don't believe what I say. They believe what he says. Like, you know, he has, he had, I think he fought Wilder on fight one. He was like, I don't care about the money. I'm going to give it all to the homeless, right? I mean... I don't think he gave a pound to the homeless. But right. I still have people come up to me today going, oh, I don't like Joshua because you know when Fury fought, he gave it all to the homeless. I'm like, oh my God. And then mm. two weeks ago, he said, I'll only come out of retirement for half a billion. Right? And I was like, wow, it's a lot. And then last week, he said, I'll fight Fury, I'll fight Joshua, but it's got to be for free. Free tickets for everyone. No pay-per-view. And everyone's going, what a great man. Man of the people. And I'm going, no. Well, you, you, so you know, he so won't actually do that then? Of course he won't. I yep. mean, and I wouldn't let Joshua do it. You know how dangerous this sport is? Like, I'm getting my fighter every penny they deserve every time they step in the ring. And he would never fight for free. That's the biggest fight in the history of boxing. But yet people will go. And he's, he, Tyson's very clever. You know, I mean, one, he's a great fighter, but two, he's, you know, he's a great talker. I mean, he's a great character mm. as well. Mm. You know, I can't take anything away from him, but he just sometimes talks absolute rubbish and manages to get people to believe it. That's an art that I'm still trying to perfect. I'm on the way, but <laughs> he's, he's, he's right up there. So, so do you think that fight will never happen? I think it will definitely happen because... You know, what, Josh, you, what, you think You think Joshua think so. Fury Look, will happen? Ev- everyone stops me in the street to ask about that yeah, fight this all is, the time. This is the one question. But he's fighting Usyk, yeah. which is such a tough fight. Like he, If he gets beat, the fight with Fury is still there. It's not as big as it could be, but it's still a fight that everybody wants to see. I think AJ will beat Usyk. If he does, Fury against AJ 
is the, it's not just the biggest fight of, the genera- of our generation. It's the biggest fight in the history of boxing forever, the undisputed heavyweight world championship. You know, and um, everyone's wanted to see that fight for so long. I honestly think we will get it. You do? I do. Because I just, it's, a, it's up to Fury as well. Look, he's, he's, he's achieved a lot. He's made a lot of money. He talks about retiring. You can't knock a man from walking away from the sport, especially with your faculties in place, with money in the bank. Mm. But he's a competitor as well. And I think, you know, people will always want to see that fight. As a, as a plastic, and I'm a, I'm a self-admitting plastic boxing fan now, I'll just dip in and out of the big ones. What What's stopping that fight from, from happening? Why haven't we seen that? Kind of like ego, um, different broadcasters, different promoters. Um, it can be, you know, negotiating a fight is one of the most frustrating things in the world because literally it can fall apart at any time over the most ridiculous thing. Mm. Like, in that situation... Bizarrely, a lot of the time people worry about, like the fighters will worry about what he's getting or what you're making or whatever. I always say to a fighter, don't worry about what anyone else is making other than you. Mm. Are you, but this doesn't work. Like it's when, an ego thing when though, there's isn't bad it? blood between fighters or there's people don't like each other, it's like, and it could be anything. It could be like whose name goes first on a poster. Mm. You know, oh, Fury says, it has to be Fury Joshua. And Joshua goes, no, no. And I'll say, let's just toss a coin for it. And they go, no, no, no. And then all of a sudden, it's off. Right. Like, and that, people don't see that side. They yeah. just think, how can we not? But It's all down to them little egos. Sort of but di- also, these aren't normal people. Mm. I go back to, you know, it's not mm. like someone with just a, 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 these are fighters. So it's like, you know, it's always like that rather mm. than two, you know, people sitting down and going, no, let's, let's talk about it. You know, I think your name should go first. And we're going to make so much money. Do, <laughs> do we, alphabetical. Do we, do we really give a fuck? Do you know what I mean? Whereas they will go, yeah, I do. do, do, do and I'll tell you what, I ain't doing it if it's not. Right. That's like, it's like, yeah. do, do you we, think they see like every little thing as a victory even before yeah, the prob- fight? Yeah, probably. But it's just like, I don't want to give an inch. I've had so many fights fall, fall away for not, like nothing. And you just go, I can't believe it. You know, you try and sit down with a fighter sometimes. I mean, AJ's very smart, but they're also... They have a lot of pride and principle. You know, I've sat down with fighters before and gone like, f- over that exact issue and gone, does it matter? Mm. Hon- honestly, it's like, yeah, it does. It's like, no, but it doesn't. I've it's never like, looked at a poster and thought, oh, their name's like, oh, no, first, no, they're no, more important. In boxing, yeah. there's a lot of A side, B side. So right. it's like, if you're the B side, yeah. sometimes that people feel that, you know, you walk in second. Who's, right? who's the B side in that fight then? I mean, look, it always, Fury was always the B side commercially but the rise of Tyson Fury in the last two years like he's put himself right up there you know at the moment on paper Tyson Fury is the best heavyweight in the world if AJ beats Usyk it's arguable you know but like again you get to a point I think as they get older it's easier like I just think people just go oh look who cares we just want to see the fight exactly and AJ's got in a position before where you know walking second and he's actually one of those I don't I don't care like I'm just going to fight yeah, but when they, when two people don't like each other, no one wants to give an inch, and it's so frustrating. Like you know, it could be the changing rooms on the night. I want first choice changing room. 
Are you fucking joking? <laughs> fuck? Get 100 mil. Shut up. <laughs> get, get changing the car park if you need to. No, so, so. Now, Eddie, I know we're very, very pressed for time, but I can't let you go without really quickly, briefly touching on No Context Turn. Because I think when we spoke in 2017 on the old podcast, I don't think that was about then. Might have been launching. Maybe it know, just yeah. started. Now, um, you're, you're a meme icon, mm. but you're also a very professional boxing promoter. Yeah. Can those two merge? And what do you think about I guess it's been, there are still half of the population think I created no context. <laughs> term, right? And I'll be honest, it's exactly the kind of thing I do. Right? I think it would be really smart of me to have created that. But it's a guy called Andy who works for the NHS years ago, just sent me a DM and went, look, I watch all your interviews. I want to do this no context thing it's about. And like, do you mind? And I'm like... Who the fuck's going to watch that? So he so, asked you before yeah, he did yeah, yeah, That's yeah. not very courteous. I was yeah. like, yeah, no props. Anyway, next thing, it's like 5,000 followers, 20,000, 50,000, 100,000. And it's everywhere. And I'm like, and then he phones, he DM me again. He goes, listen, I want to bring out a, a range of mugs and T-shirts with your quotes on. And I'm thinking, well, I said them, but do I own them? You know what I mean? It's your face. So, no, no, well, no face. It's just the, the, oh, the text, right? The so, right. And, and, that, and that no context her handle, which is now not even mine, right? <laughs> so I just went to him, listen, if you put 25% of the profits into this children's hospice that we work to, I said, crack on. Anyway, next thing, he sent a cheque to the hospice for like 20 grand or something like that. I was like, this is unbelievable. But I've still made like over the business of doing grand. my own mugs. You know I mean? so, yeah. so, like, it's just become, it's weird because it baffles me now. And I know this sounds a bit muggy. Like, I walk down a street everyone knows me, right? And I'm like, that can't just be from boxing. Because you didn't have it before no, so well, much. No, I did, but like not on the level it's on now. Yeah. Like sitting out today in, 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 a, in the West End just having a coffee. Mm. Like everyone walked past, Eddie, all right, mate? Oh, mate, hey, Joshua, blah, blah. and then, oh, do, hey, oh, go on then. Oh, blah, blah. <laughs> and, and I'm like, what? like, and it's it must be, like, and I do a lot of alternative media like this sort of stuff like yeah. stuff like that so I don't know it's wild and Do it's you, it's a new like my I'm not on TikTok but right. my daughters are on TikTok and I just every now and again I just watch them and I'm I'm all over it <laughs> on their TikTok and she's like oh dad look you're on you're on TikTok I said I'm not on TikTok I fucking I'm not, I'm not on TikTok yeah. trust me she's like you are look look I'm, I'm looking at it I'm like Okay. It's fucking everywhere. You know? <laughs> and it's like, but people will come, like genuinely will come out and I just said like, hmm. okay, go on, do the one, do the one where you, it's like, <laughs> like I'll be on a train and someone sit next to me and like, I find like my fame levels are like tiny compared to like Joshua and people like that. But I just find it baffling. Our people will just like stare and like, it's like just the phone. So like I'll be on a train like that and like you're me, right? Obviously. And someone's going, Oh, I hate that. Like that. Oh, and it, I and hate it, that. And it's like, and yeah. you know. It's yeah. so obvious. So every now and again, I'll just go. <laughs> <laughs> like and they'll be like this. For, yeah, and they shit like, themselves. But, but the amount of times, like, they're, like, they're, they're just staring and, they're, and then they'll go, go on, do it. <laughs> and do you and go, like, oh, go on, man. <laughs> and I'm like, I never thought it would end up like this. Do you do it? Yeah, cool. Yeah. 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 At the end of the day, like, you can never take yourself too seriously. No. And that is just, I realised the size of it when, when Liverpool won the Premier League, Virgil van Dijk got in the change room and the first thing he did was post 
and no context here. And it was like, it was me walking in the change room going, job done, here we go, la-di-da, nice drop of whiskey, everyone's a winner or something like that. And he posted it and I was like, I sent him a DM and I was like, mate, congrats. And like, he goes, oh, he's like, massive fan, I love all your stuff. You don't really like my love boxing shows. Stuff. You like my I memes, love it. You know? and, and he ended up coming on the podcast and it was like, Sick. but I feel like if you take yourself too seriously, yeah, like, it's like taking photos with people. Who are you to say, oh no, no, no. Yeah. Like, or someone says to me, go on, do the one. You cheeky little fucker. You know, and I'm like, you cheeky little fucker. And he's like, do it, just do it to my mate, Dave. <laughs> do it to Dave. Hi, oh, Dave. You cheeky little fucker. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. And also, uh, Tony. Tony. <laughs> but it's like, you know. Okay, Eddie. Two things I want to finish on. I want to quickly show you a compilation of, of, of these no context right. and you just rattle off what, what okay. the context okay. is. I'm sure you've done it before. Okay. Um, so we've got about six on here. Okay. So what's this one? Irrelevant, boring, old, yesterday's news. Out the way, excuse me, we're coming in. So that was me talking about the boxing promoters right. around the world, <laughs> all having a go at me. So I was like, listen, I'm not listening to them. Boring, old, irrelevant, out of the way, excuse me, I'm coming through. That sounds like my old yeah, YouTube yeah, videos yeah. about other YouTubers. That, that video, that interview right there, there was about, that was, oh, go on then. That was, I Mate, was just, that, I've yeah, got a couple in here now. Yeah, I was just off on one. I like, love I it. I was just like, you know. I love it. So you're going to go, or, <laughs> and we're going to go, shoo. So, this could possibly be my greatest David Brent moment. <laughs> What's that? So, that was just talking about, like, the rise of Matrim versus everybody else. So, I was like, they're just going to go, I said, the pay-per-view, they're going to go, shum. <laughs> and we're just going to go, shum. And as I'm saying it, I'm thinking, what? It is so Brent. It is so Brent. But I'm very David Brent, like, unfortunately. But, but, yeah. I love that you embrace it, though. I know. Hearn, Hearn, Hearn. He, he fucking this and he's done that and he's done that and he's done that and <laughs> but again the same interview as there's about four or five pervers in it. that was just me impersonating I think Frank Warren and Bob Aaron right. like their interviews where like Coogan will say to him um, I did an interview yesterday with Eddie Hearn and it's oh fucking hun. <laughs> and like, they just start sweating and going red so that was explaining them love it we got one man queuing up here. We got Punish the Strawberries. My darling, you with a headband. You are different gravy. That's probably my favourite one of all time. So that was, we had a show in Hull. And one of my fighters and a good friend, Tommy Coyle, his family owned a strawberry stall right. in the market. right? And I did a press conference and I said to Tommy Coyle, I'll tell you what, like, I should come work on your stall because I would smash it on the strawberries. He's like... Well, come and do a bit then. I went, yeah, fucking all right then. So I went down to the market in Hull, and obviously I think Coogan was filming. You went it. down there just for that. I was doing a press conference, and we walked, just walked down like right. to, in, in Hull, and I just started selling punnets of strawberries. Love it, love it. Do you know how rewarding it is to get a pound for a punnet of strawberries? Did like, you sell many? Yeah, loads. But that was uh, like she walked past. I went, you, my darling, you with a headband. She had a headband. You are different gravy. <laughs> do you know which? Was... Do you know which footballer I've seen use that all the time? Yeah, Alan St. Maximum. But, uh, but now every club. Yeah. When one of their players <laughs> wears a headband, they go, you with a headband, you are a different, different gravy. I mean, it's just like... That's so I good. I love it. I've got two more. I can't probably face so, too much for that. But yeah. What? It's like um, Coogan, who's in the video with me, like since I started in boxing, he started his own YouTube channel, which has gone on to be hugely successful. Yeah. And we just used to go all over the country, like to press conferences, but I'd drive everywhere 
and he'd bum a lift. Right. And like, I'd just do something stupid and he'd go, oh mate, I've got to film this. And I'm like, oh fuck. So like, that was just putting on like a garage song. And I was yeah. just like, you know, <laughs> I think doing 90 miles an hour down the motorway at the time. I love it. I think he interviewed me once yeah. when I was in your back garden. Uh, like, yeah, for yeah, a yeah, right. And I didn't have a fucking clue what he was <laughs> yeah. asking me. There we go, last one. Hello and welcome to oh. the weigh-in for Flight Camp. We're nearly there. Eddie Hearn joins us again. Shalom, and, uh, motherfuckers! <laughs> That one is my favourite. But that's not even no context. That's no. actually real life. So that was the fight camp weigh-in. And Sky, Andy Scott, went, we're going live in five minutes. So I went, all right, no problems, yeah? Like a minute later, he turns to me and he goes, Eddie, um, here we are live. So I think it's a rehearsal, right? Because one, it's not five minutes. And two, it doesn't even look like we're live. So he's gone, Eddie, here we go, about to weigh in for fight camp. I'm like, Shamal, motherfuckers. And he went, and I went, we're not live. Are we? <laughs> we are live. I mean, that went everywhere. That was wildfire. That was, do you know what I mean? That's and the, the best amount thing you've ever people, done. For all the people who stopped me and go, oh, go on then. The amount of Shamal, motherfuckers. Like, it's like, Eddie, Eddie, Shamal, motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah, you know, go on, do it. Oh. <laughs> Shamal, motherfucker. Yeah, last one, Eddie. That's the best thing ever. I love it. Eddie, you're a gent, mate. Thank you for giving so, so much of your time. I know we've run over a little bit there. I don't think we can ask Eddie to, to read one of them. I don't I think. Don't, no, I forgot well, time. We want, to, we want to try and get you to... Yeah. to right. We've got three sentences there yeah. and emotions. And basically, our thought process behind this is to see if we can make a new no-context term. Okay. So these are based on nothing, and people can use these as a response. So if you can try and memorize... <laughs> No, honestly, mate, that looks really good. Turn around for us, give us a spin, then take it off and throw it in the fucking bin. Yeah? Well, last time I heard you say that, it made me throw up all over the floor. Then loads of little dogs came and ate the sick, but then they heard what you said and threw up too much. So much sick. <laughs> what is going on here? I don't know what you're <laughs> Jack oh, yeah, yeah. I love it. I really love it. You lot hate it because you're a bunch of melts, but I love it so much, I'd marry it tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Right, Eddie, absolute ledge, mate. What's next for you? Uh, what's next? Um, got a couple of big fights coming up. We've got AJ Usyk, yeah. August 20th in Saudi Arabia, so I'll be out for that. Prediction Canelo, for that. Triple G in Vegas. Give me your prediction, both of them. I think right? AJ's going to knock him out, and I think I think Canelo's the favourite in the Triple G fight, but he's going to be a war, that one. Mm. And then hopefully we make Conor Ben against Eubank, if we can get that over the line. Just keep making big fights, take boxing global. Love it. There we go. This has been Jack Mates Happy Hour with me, Jack Mates, Stevie White and Eddie Hearn. Eddie, what is the meaning of life? <laughs> is that a question? Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> I thought that was like the way you end every no, podcast. We, no, we, oh, start, right. we start with sandwiches and we finish with meaning okay, of life. The meaning of life is it's just about being happy, just about enjoying yourself. I think there's a couple of things. The thing I've been lo looking for at the moment, everybody's searching right? They're searching for something. And a lot of time people are searching for happiness. Yeah, actually it might be right in front of you. So don't waste your life searching for something. Look at what you've got, be grateful for what you've got and enjoy that. There we go. That is different gravy. See you in a couple of days. All right, mate. <laughs> Jack Mates Happy Hour is a Stack Production.